We pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Bless us, Lord, as we study your word. Use your word to strengthen our faith and to equip us to live in this world for you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our risen Savior. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the enemy is hunting down every single person in the world. The enemy does not care if you're rich or poor or young or old or weak or powerful. The enemy does not care what kind of things you're trying to accomplish in life. And the enemy does not care how much time you're planning to spend with your family. Slowly but surely, the enemy is hunting down every last person in the world. And all of the science and technology and medical advancements that we have made cannot stop the enemy. They can only slow it down a little bit. Eventually, the enemy invades all of our homes, leading emptiness and tears of mourning in its wake. And eventually, the enemy gets us all. The enemy, of course, is death. Are you scared of death? I don't know if that's a rhetorical question or not. Um, are you scared of death? If so, that doesn't mean that you're a coward. And if you're scared of death, it doesn't mean that you're a bad Christian. Maybe it just means that you're paying attention. Like, it kind of makes sense for us to be scared of death because death is a scary thing. In the children's message, we compared death to a rattlesnake, all coiled up and, and ready to strike. But it's worse than a rattlesnake, because a rattlesnake generally is going to leave you alone as long as you don't bother it and decide that you're going to try to make it your pet without talking to your dad, right? Uh, rattlesnake's usually not going to bother you as long as you leave it alone. But death is going to bother you. Death is actively seeking you. Eventually, death will find you. So with all this in mind, it's perfectly logical to be scared of death. In fact, maybe what's illogical is to pretend that you're not scared of death and to do what a whole bunch of the world does, which is to minimize death and ignore it and pretend it's not going to happen to you. Death is scary. It's a scary enemy. So, what are we supposed to do about it? Is there anything we can do about it? Well, as the saying goes, it's good to know your enemy. So, what do we know about death? What is it? Where does it come from? In the Bible, God answers those questions for us very clearly. He says that the wages of sin is death. In other words, at the beginning, there was no death because there was no sin. Human beings had first been created in the image of God, holy and perfect and like God and designed to live forever. But then human beings fell into sin. And when Adam and Eve fell, they kind of pulled every generation off the cliff with them so that now, even as human beings are born, we are born unlike God. We're born in a state of unholiness, imperfection, and thus it shouldn't surprise us that we no longer live forever. Eventually, inevitably, we die. And what is happening when we die? It's a loss of connection to God's blessings. We're no longer connected to God's blessings in this world, and the way that we're leaning 
is that we would no longer be connected to God's blessings for eternity. The wages of sin is death. And, deep down, human beings know this. I would contend everybody knows this, uh, whether they would say it quite this way or not. Not everyone maybe is familiar with that story of how sin first came into the world, but I would contend everybody is very familiar with ways sin has come into our own life. We know deep down, each one of us individually, how far we are from the image of God and how sinful and how unholy the flaws, the brokenness. How do we know this about ourselves? Well, it's because of something that might be called natural law. It's that sense of morality that God has built inside each one of our hearts where we know what's right and wrong and we look at our life and we know that we have not always done it. So, as we think about death, as we talk about knowing our enemy, what we've kind of done so far is we've essentially summed up one of the key passages of our sermon text. It says, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. So as we look at death, we're trying to figure out, like, what is the structure surrounding it? What are the contributing factors for which it happens? Um, and these are what they are. We all have sin, which separates us from God. We all have this natural sense of the law, which tells us in our heart that we're not the way we should be. And thus, we know that death is coming for us. Right? This is the structure. This is the team. Sin, death, and the law. Death is coming for us. And it's coming fast. After several thousand years of human history, we still have not found a way to stop it. Right? The death rate of the world is 100%. And yet what is impossible for human beings is possible with God. And we know this because just over a month ago we celebrated Easter. And we know what happened on Easter. Jesus defeated death, meaning the death rate of the world is not quite 100% because there's a slight little asterisk around this one human being, the Son of God who came into the world and died, but then he rose. So let's talk about how Jesus defeated death. It's basically two things. First, he took our own death on himself. Not only did Jesus die physically when he got crucified on the cross, but he also died spiritually. He was separated from God eternally while on that cross. Do you remember what Jesus cried out while he was being crucified? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What Jesus was expressing was complete separation from God. And so Jesus took death, he took our death upon himself as a way of paying on the cross for our sins. Then, on Easter, Jesus rose from the dead. And this proved a number of things. It proved that Jesus was who he had claimed to be, that he really was the Son of God. It proved that God had really accepted the payment Jesus made for our sins. And finally, this proved that one day, we too will rise from our graves and live with God forever. Right? What did Jesus say to his disciples? Because I live, you also will live. And that's been the point of our whole sermon series since Easter, based on 1 Corinthians 15. One day we are going to rise, not only spiritually, but physically, and get to live with God forever. So Jesus defeated death for us. 
But that's not all that he did. And so as we get towards the end of 1 Corinthians 15, what we start to notice is not only did Jesus defeat death, he also changed death, at least as it pertains to us. Jesus changed death into something that it had never been before. So without Jesus, death is scary, we said. And what's so scary about death? If you, if you sit back and really think about it, it's, it's not just that it's uncomfortable. It's not just that it's an unknown. The reason death is scary is because it has the power to destroy us, to, to end us, right? To separate us from our loved ones, potentially forever. To separate us from God, potentially forever. But with Jesus in the picture, death is still here, but death is different. Death has changed. It is like a rattlesnake with the venom glands removed. It looks scary. It can still bite you, but it can't destroy you. Not anymore. So take a minute and just think about the ways that the role of death in our life has changed thanks to Jesus. Death used to be the worst day of our life. Obviously. Thanks to Jesus, in a spiritual sense, death is the best day of our life. Because it's the day we're finally free from the struggles and the pain and the suffering and the sin, and we are free with God in heaven. Death used to be the end of our bodies. But now, thanks to Jesus, it's just the day that we leave these sin-broken, unhealthy, arthritis-ridden, tired old bodies behind, and we go to heaven until God makes us a new body which is going to live forever one day. Death used to be the day of ultimate mourning for your loved ones. So like if you had died, this would be this day of ultimate sadness for your loved ones because they're never going to see you again. But because of Jesus, death is really a day of celebration. Your death is a day of celebration for your loved ones, not celebrating that you're gone, but celebrating that you are with God in heaven and they know the reunion is coming. Death used to be permanent. But now, thanks to Jesus, it is temporary. And you can see that from the early Christians. You can see it from the vocabulary they used while they discussed death. The common way they said it is that when someone had died, they said, that person has fallen asleep. Why would they use that terminology? It's because sleep is something you wake up from. And as a Christian, because of Jesus, death is something that you're going to wake up from too. Not only spiritually, but physically on the last day. So death has lost its sting. It still looks scary. It can still bite you, but it has no power to truly harm or destroy you. If you think about it, you say, what a powerful Savior we have. Not only did he defeat death, but he changed it into a role in our lives that it had never had before. But that's not all that Jesus does. Not only has he defeated death, not only has he changed death, but he also, on the last day, is going to change us. And this is this beautiful concept we've been discussing and trying to understand throughout this whole chapter. Here are some last key verses on the topic of our physical resurrection. Paul says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. But listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, so we're not all going to have died before the end of the world, but we will all be changed whenever this day comes. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, you will be changed. 
For, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we, whoever is still living, will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then this saying that is written in the Old Testament is going to come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And on this day, we will see the final results of everything that Jesus has done. Not only will death have been defeated and defanged and disarmed and changed, and not only will we be changed, but death itself will be swallowed up forever and gone. The big enemy, the enemy that is stalking every person down, will be gone, swallowed up forever, destroyed by God, and will never have to even see it anymore. So, if this is all true, and Jesus has done this, and he has, and if this is what's coming at the last day, and it is, what's left then for our lives right now? What do our lives look like in the reflection of these amazing truths from God? Well, very simply, our lives right now get to be bursting with hope. Because yes, the day of our own death still looks scary. Yes, when a Christian loved one dies, we are still sad. We still grieve. But our first reading today said we don't grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Uh, When we grieve a loved one, we're not sad for them. We know they're safe with God in heaven. We're just grieving the fact that we have to be temporarily separated for a while until we get to see one another again. But for the rest of the world, grief is very different. For the rest of the world, death is very different. For many, many people, death still looks very much like an undefeated enemy. I want to talk about that as kind of our final thought for this morning. What is the rest of our world thinking about death? You know, there was a time not that long ago when the way that people thought about death was with fear for what would come after. The reason death was scary is because people thought, when I have to appear before God, what is he going to say about me? Right? What is going to be my afterlife? And I was looking around for a perfect summary of this, and I finally found it in the most famous section of English literature ever composed. Anybody know the most famous section of English literature ever composed? Any Shakespeare fans in the house? This is Hamlet's soliloquy, the to be or not to be. And maybe you would recognize some different phrases. I'm not going to read this whole soliloquy. But what is Hamlet talking about in this magnificent speech? He's talking about death. Specifically, the character Hamlet in this play is considering ending his life. And he's thinking about death, being free from his earthly problems, and he says, man, that would be nice. It would be nice to just sleep in death and not have to worry about my issues anymore. But then he says this famous line, but in that sleep of death, what dreams may come? Knowing the sins and mistakes that I've made in my life, when I die, who knows what's coming? What am I going to have to pay for? What am I going to have to do? And so, as bad as this life is, I'm still going to stay away from death because I'm so afraid of the after. That was the mindset of our world for a very long time, uh, as it was, a, I think, relatively religious world for quite a long time. But it's interesting now. I feel like maybe even in the last 20 years, the world has changed. At least our culture has changed. It's become very secular. God 
is out of the picture for a lot of people. Eternity is out of the picture for a lot of people. People are believing this world is all that you have. And yet, death is still terrifying, just in a different way. If this world is all that you have, people aren't scared anymore of what's going to happen after I die. They are scared of, am I missing out while I live? Right? Consider the pressure that kids feel to get the best possible grades in school if this life is the only life that they're ever going to have. Consider the pressure that young professionals feel to work as long and hard of, our, as, of hours as possible and make as much money as possible because this life is the only one they're ever going to get. Consider the intense disappointment that people feel when sickness or misfortune gets in the way of their plans and robs them of whatever it is they wanted to do because this life is the only one that they'll ever get. You see the point? Even when people have explained God out of the picture and eternity out of the picture, they're still flinching all the time, every day, at the thought of death. Letting death control their choices. Letting death dictate their lives. But you know, I know, it doesn't have to be this way. Because Jesus rose. And one day, we too will rise. And God has given us an eternity of life and victory to look forward to. With this in mind, the role of a Christian in this world is a truly beautiful thing. Because we are here to get to show others that fear of the enemy does not need to control us any longer. And in our primarily secular context, maybe we won't get the perfect grades we wanted. Maybe we won't have the perfect health we wanted. Maybe we won't get the promotion at work we wanted. Maybe we won't get the kind of retirement that we wanted. Maybe we won't get the dream house that we wanted. And maybe we won't get the earthly time with our family that we wanted. But it's okay. Because an eternity of joy is waiting for us in heaven. Thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We know this, and people need this. So with a changed view on death, we also have a changed view on life don't we? And not just our own life, but the lives of the people around us. May God bless us as we go out into our world and share the wonderful news that the enemy has been crushed by a perfect Savior, that the enemy has been defeated already, and that one day the enemy will be swallowed up forever, leaving only life, eternal life, in its place. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus, your risen Savior. Amen.